Canto 4, Chapter 29 The Conversation of Narada and King Prachinabari King Prachinabari said, O great sage, we could not fully understand your words. The wise may grasp what they really mean, but we, who are fascinated by fruitive activities, cannot. Narada said, The person of Puranjana should be seen as the creator of his own situation of dwelling in a one, two, three or four-legged body, or a body with many legs or no legs at all. He whom I described as unknown is the friend and lord of the person, because he, by his names, activities and qualities, is never fully understood by the living entities. When the living entity wants to fully enjoy the basic qualities of material nature, he considers it a good thing to have a human form with nine gates, two legs and two hands. The young woman then should be known as the intelligence that is responsible for the eye and mind of taking to the shelter of the body, by which this living being, sentient to the modes of material nature, suffers and enjoys. Her male friends represent the senses that lead to knowledge and action, the girlfriends stand for the engagements of the senses, while the serpent refers to the life air in its five forms. The mind one should recognize as the very powerful eleventh leader of the two groups of the senses, and the kingdom of Panchala stands for the five realms or objects of the senses, in the midst of which the city with the nine apertures is found. The two eyes, two nostrils, two ears, the genitals and rectum are likewise the two by two gates with the mouth as the ninth that one passes when one accompanied by the senses goes outside. The two eyes, the nostrils and the mouth are thus understood as the five gates in front, the east, with the right ear as the gate to the south and the left ear as the gate to the north, while downward in the west the two gates are found one calls the rectum and the genital. The ones named Kadyota and Avirmuki that were created at one place are the eyes by which the master with his sense of sight can perceive the form called Vibrajita. The gates named Nalini and Nalini represent the two nostrils and the place called Sorabha represents the fragrance. The companion called Avaduta is the sense of smell. Mukya stands for the mouth, with, for his friends, the faculty of speech named Vipana, and the sense of taste is named Rasagnya. Apana concerns the domain of the tongue, and Bahudana the realm of the variety of eatables, with the gates of the right ear having the name Pitrihu, and the left ear being called Devahu. Together with the companion of hearing, called Shruddhadhara, following the path to the southern and northern realms of Panchala by the processes of sense enjoyment and detachment as described in the scriptures, one reaches, respectively, Pitri Loka and Deva Loka. Next to the gate of the rectum, called Niriti, there is on the lower side the sexual member called Asuri, that is the gate for the sexuality of the common man, 
when the area of Gramaka is attracted to the procreative act called the friend, Durmada. Vaishyasa is the realm of hell and the friend called Lubdaka is the organ of defecation. The blind ones you next heard about from me are the legs and hands with which the people engage in their work. The private quarters are the heart and the servant named Vishuchina is the mind, the material nature of which is said to result in illusion, satisfaction and jubilation. As soon as the mind is agitated and activates in association with the natural modes, the individual soul, who is actually the observer, is carried away by those activities. The physical body is a chariot that, with the senses for its horses, in fact does not move ahead in the course of one's years. The two wheels constitute the activities of profit-minded labor and piety, the flags are the three modes of nature, and the five supports stand for the five types of air. The reen is the mind, the chariot driver is the intelligence, the sitting place is the heart, the duality is formed by the posts for the harnesses, the five weapons are the sense objects, and the seven armor plates are the physical elements. The ten commanders of the five objectives and ways of approach constitute, together with the eleventh commander of the mind, the false aspiration of the externality, the military might of the eleven processes of the senses, by which one, in envy, is engaged for the sake of sensual pleasure. The year called Chandavega stands for the passage of time to which the 360 men and women from heaven are to be understood as being the days and nights that, by their moving around, reduce the lifespan that one has on this earth. The daughter of time, who was welcomed by no one, and as the sister-in-law was accepted by the king of the Yavanas in favor of death and destruction, stands for Jara, old age. His followers, the Yavana soldiers, represent the disturbances of the mind and body who, at times when the living beings are in distress, very quickly rise to power with Prajvara in the form of two kinds of fever, hot and cold, physical and mental conflict. The one residing in the body that is moved by the material world is thus for a hundred years subjected to different sorts of tribulations created by nature, by other living beings and by himself. Therein abiding by the fragmentary nature of sense enjoyment, he meditates the I and mine of himself as being the doer, and thus, despite his transcendental nature, wrongly attributes to the soul the characteristics of the life force, the senses and the mind. When the person forgets the Supreme Soul, the Almighty Lord, who is the highest teacher, he surrenders to the modes of matter to find therein his happiness. Manifesting himself by those basic qualities, he then takes to lives belonging to his karma. He therein is then helplessly controlled by the performance of fruitive activities that are of a white, a black or a red nature. Ruled by the light of goodness, one reaches better worlds, but sometimes one with passion for one's work ends up in misery and then again indulging in sloth or darkness lands in lamentation. Sometimes one is a man, 
sometimes a woman, and then one is neither of both. Then one has lost one's mind, and then again one is a human being, a beast or a god. One is born according to the karma one has with the modes of nature. Like a pitiable dog that, overcome by hunger, wanders from one house to another in order to be rewarded or else be punished, the living entity, pursuing different types of higher and lower desires, wanders high or low, or follows a middle course, and thus, according to his destiny, reaches that what is pleasurable or not that pleasurable, heaven or hell. Even though the living being, confronted with the different forms of misery as caused by nature, others or himself, takes his countermeasures, it is not possible for him to stop the misery. All that he in fact does is what a man carrying a heavy burden on his head does when he shifts his burden to his shoulder. In fact, he, O sinless one, in a state of illusion, thinks that he can counter a dream with a dream. Counteracting one karmic activity with another, one does not arrive at a definitive solution. Only in counteracting the both of them, that is the case. Just as there is no end to the subtle manifestation of the reflection, wherein the mind wanders like in a dream, there is neither an end to one's wandering around immaterial existence, in spite of the sense objects not constituting a fixed reality. In order to put an end to the succession of unwanted things, repeated births in a material life, it is therefore for the soul of essential importance to be of unalloyed devotional service unto the spiritual teacher. He represents the being engaged in Bhakti Yoga in relation to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudeva, by which the result is found of full knowledge and complete detachment. That, O best of kings, will soon come about when one always faithfully listens to and remembers the stories about the infallible one. From wherever one finds the great devotees, broad-minded, pure souls whose consciousness is focused on the regular reciting of and hearing about the qualities of the Supreme Lord, O King, flow from the mouths of the great examples, the teachers, the countless streams of nectar about the exploits of the killer of Madhu. They who eagerly drink in that nectar can never get enough of it. Hunger, thirst, fear, lamentation or illusion never get hold of those who know to listen. But the conditioned individual soul, who is always troubled by what nature offers in the sense of pains, fears, worries, etc., does not feel attracted to the nectarian ocean of the stories about the Lord. Brahma, the father of the founding fathers, Lord Shiva, Manu and the rulers of mankind headed by Daksha, the strong celibates led by Sanaka, Marichi, Atri, Angira, Pulastya, Pulaha, Kratu, Briku, Fascista and I myself, finally, are all well-versed, authoritative Brahmin speakers. Even though we have insight because of our meditation, education and austerities, we cannot fathom the seer himself, the controller in the beyond. Being engaged in listening to the unlimited spiritual knowledge and with mantras singing the glories of the enormously extended partial powers, the demigods, does not make one a knower of the Supreme. When he who showers his grace, the Supreme Lord, 
by his soul is realized. Such a one will give up both his worldly views and his attachment to Vedic rituals. O oh my dear Prachina Bari, therefore never ignorantly take the glamour of fruitive actions for the purpose of life. However nicely that acquiring might ring in your ears, the real interest is not served by it. Less intelligent souls speak of the four Vedas to the interest of rituals and ceremonies, but such people do not know the real purpose of the Vedas. They have no idea where the world of Lord Janardana is to be found. You who with your sons, the Prachetas, completely covered the face of the earth with the Kusha grass pointing eastward, take great pride in all the killing of the sacrificial animals and consider yourself very important. But you do not know what work must be performed, what labor would satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by what knowledge, what education there is the awareness of Him. The Supreme Lord Himself is the super-soul of all who accepted a material body. He is the controller of material nature. His feet form the shelter by which all men in this world find their fortune. He, indeed, is the one loved most, the subtle one from whom there is not the slightest fear. He alone is in full knowledge. Only the person who has learned this is the spiritual master, not different from the Lord. Narada said, I've thus far answered your questions, O man of wisdom. Now listen to the established opinion about a confidential subject I'm going to confide to you. Think of a deer safely with its doe grazing grass in a field of flowers. Undisturbed, doing his business, he has in his ears the charming song of bumblebees, but he is not quite aware that in front of him there are tigers eager to kill, and that behind him there is a hunter looking for a chance to pierce him with arrows. The flowers work just like a woman, who with her sweet scent of flowers suggests the safety of a household existence as being the result of an innocent desire for sensual pleasures such as plucking flowers. This one fulfills one's desires like the deer in always being absorbed in thoughts of sex with the wife and pleasures to the tongue. The sound of the different bumblebees that is so very attractive to the ears compares to the most attractive talks of the wife in the first place and also to those of the children that occupy one's mind completely. The tigers in front of him are together alike all the moments of the days and nights that, in enjoying one's household, unnoticed, take away one's lifespan. And from behind there is the hunter taking care not to be seen while crouching upon him like the superintendent of death by whose arrow one's heart is pierced in this world. You should see yourself in this as the one whose heart is pierced, O king. Place yourself in the consciousness of the grazing deer and give up the fixation upon what you cherish in your heart. Give up that notion and those stories of a household life so abominably filled with sexual concerns and go gradually getting detached exclusively for the shelter of all liberated souls. The king said, O Brahmin, having heard this powerful tale and considered it, I must say that the honorable gentlemen, my teachers, 
did not know this, for if they did, then why did they not explain it to me? But my doubts about them, O Brahmin, you have cleared as you spoke. Even the greatest sages, free from such sensual activities, may lack in awareness. Someone who forsakes his body in order to enjoy another body in a next life has to face the consequences of the karma he built up in this life. One thus knows the statement of the Vedic experts that says, of everything that one in this life does, one does not directly see the consequences. Narada said, From the karma a person engages in, the consequences are to be faced in a next life, because, having died, being in one's unembodied state, nothing changes in that what belongs to him. His proof of character, the subtle body or linga, and his mind about it, stay the same. The way a person, lying in bed and breathing, letting go of the gross body in a dream, in his mind has to experience the actions he, in the waking state, was engaged in, the same way he will fare in a similar or another animal body or another world he is reincarnated in after his death. Whatever all this mine of the mind might entail in acceptance of an I, is, by the living being, taken along as the workload he acquired, and by that karma he again enters a material existence. The way one derives a state of mind from one's sensual experiences and from what one does in response to them, one is likewise mentally characterized by propensities that are the result of physical actions one engaged in in a previous life. Sometimes arbitrary forms pop up before one's mind's eye, and that may happen without ever having heard, seen or experienced those images before. O King, please accept from me when I tell you that to a living being, confronted with a proof of life that this way rises in the body, not a single thing can manifest itself in the mind which has not been tried, experienced or understood before. The mind of a man is indicative of the forms he has accepted in the past and will accept, I wish you all the best, in a future birth, as also whether he will not take birth again. That what someone has done in another time or at another place can thus be derived from the images one sometimes has in the mind of things one in this life has not seen or heard about before. Everything that is perceived through the senses may in different ways of sequential ordering or types of logic or individual perspectives pop up in and vanish again from the heart. Every human being is endowed with a mind filled with past impressions. With the fortunate one constantly at one's side, abiding by a spirit of pure goodness free from passion and ignorance, the world around oneself, the so-called here and now, that with all those impressions can be like with the dark appearance of the new moon, also called Rahu with an eclipse, thus being connected, will manifest itself crystal clear. A person is separated from this consciousness, that is thus free from I and mine, for as long as the eternal indweller forms a distinct structure of material qualities consisting of intelligence, mind, senses and sense objects. In deep sleep, when one faints or in great shock, 
one's breath is arrested while the knowledge and thought of having an eye stops. And that also happens when one has a high fever or when one dies. Just like one with a new moon cannot see the moon itself, the linga, the self of typical life signs, the subtle body or the ego, cannot be observed of a young person in the womb and during early childhood because of the immaturity of the eleven of the senses and the mind. Just as unwanted things in a dream have to run their own course until one awakens, also for a soul contemplating sense enjoyment, the wandering around in the material world will not cease in spite of the sense objects not constituting a fixed reality. The individual soul, the jiva, is understood as a combination of the life force with the in 16 expanded and by the three modes of nature ruled typical self of life signs, the linga. With this linga, the person acquires material bodies and gives them up again, and thus being materially covered, finds enjoyment, lamentation, fear, misery and happiness. Just like a caterpillar does not disappear when it has to forsake its body to become a butterfly, a human being does not vanish for as long as he identifies himself with the material body he had when he dies after the termination of his material activities. Because the mind, transported by the linga, is the ruler of man, it is the cause of the continued material existence of all the embodiments created. When one, thinking of results, always to the point of death, continues with one's actions for the sake of sense enjoyment, one is by the illusion of those actions karmically bound to another physical body. In order to counteract that, therefore, with all your heart and soul, engage in the devotional service unto the Lord, and consider therewith the cosmic manifestation as being controlled by Him from whom there is maintenance, creation and annihilation. Maitreya said, After Narada, the most powerful, pure and leading devotee, had explained to him the position of the two swans of the individual soul and the supreme soul who is the Lord, he took leave and departed for the abode of the perfected souls, Seda Loka. Upon leaving orders for his sons to protect the common people, Prachinabari, the wise king, then left for practicing austerities in the spiritual resort of Kapila. There, with a one-pointed mind, living soberly at the lotus feet of Govinda, he continuously worshipping him, by his devotion managed to free himself from his attachments and attain sameness with the one reality. O sinless one, anyone who listens to or recounts this authoritative spiritual discourse as narrated by Narada will be delivered from the physical concept of life from his linga. Received from the mouth of the chief of the great sages, this story, being uttered, will purify anyone's heart, for it sanctifies this world with the fame of the Lord of Liberation, Mukunda. He who chants it will return to the spiritual world and, freed from all bondage, as a liberated soul, no longer wander around in this material world. This wonderful spiritual mystery, this allegory, you have now heard from me about a person Puranjana who took shelter of his wife, puts an end to all doubts about the matter of having a life after death.